Hello, Monetization Nation. In today's episode, I was privileged to interview Raymond Ray, an incredible global keynote speaker, entrepreneur, best-selling author, event producer, and event host. He's the founder of SmartHustle.com, which inspires and educates small business owners like me. Raymond has shared the stage with business icons such as Seth Godin, Damon John, Simon Sinek, Gary Vaynerchuk, and many others. He's interviewed President Obama and joined Ivanka Trump at the Global Entrepreneur Summit in India. Over his extensive career, Raymond has written thousands of articles, spoken to thousands of business owners, and impacted hundreds of thousands of small business owners and entrepreneurs to help their businesses thrive. Today, he shares his personal story of how failure helped him find success. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. I feel so fortunate that we get to talk to Ramon today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Nathan. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to learn with you as well. So thanks for having me and allowing yeah. me to, to help uh, add value to your community. So thank you. So that our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? Yeah, I think uh, it goes personal and business. I'll address both. I think in business, I think just doing the right thing, man. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is just when you do wrong, you screw up, make a mistake, say sorry, refund the customer's money. Don't make enemies. That, that I'm, I'm really strong on that. Even if I lose, I'd rather give Nathan back his money, make Nathan feel right, and me sleep well at night. So that's, I think, something really passionate regarding business. I can mention other things, of course, as you know, Nathan, personal branding and other things, you know, mention that. But as far as my core, my DNA, I think that's one uh, regarding personal, which I'm happy to touch into just my family, my faith. Um, I like having a good time chilling, being a better husband, a better father. So those are two halves of my world. Yeah. It's amazing how many entrepreneurs say family and faith are right up there at the top of, of their passion list. Yeah. And it's, it's great how entrepreneurship lets us put those things high on the passion list. It does. It does. It does. And I think that's why we do it, right? I mean, you know, be, you know, again, not that it doesn't mean those who don't work a nine to five job can't, but I think that to a degree, that's kind of why we do it to some degree, that freedom. Again, there's our brethren who work for a company have their type of freedom, but I think you're right. I think it's, you know, part of that is I'm mixing a few things, but I can wash my car whenever I want, go out for a date whenever I want, pick my nose right now. I'm going to schedule 3 to 4 p.m., you know, scratching my hair time. I say it metaphorically, but I know you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We can choose to prioritize the things that really matter to us. Yes. So, so important. Can you tell the audience about your journey, your story to, to become this amazing entrepreneur? As far as my childhood, which many people ask, um, you know, nothing spectacular about it. You know, two great parents and screw up like hopefully many kids who weren't, you know, who lived the average good life, had food, et cetera. Some kids don't. So I had a, you know, nice life. And um, I think as I got older, for whatever reason, I was into tech uh, as far as electronics and electricity and, you know, lights and and, and the, the, the hard electronics, if, as it were, you know, your lighting and things like that in your house, maybe because my father was an electrician. So I kind of had that tech into me, liking to take apart things, talking teddy bears, unscrewing them. My first computer took that apart. So to give you a context, a sense of where my brain was, it wasn't the medical side, even though I read a lot, you know, wasn't the legal side finance. I was more of a hands-on type person, liking to build things with my hands. So that was one data point. 
as I got older, and you may be able to help me know the date of this, probably the early 90s, Nathan, Prodigy, when AOL, half of your audience may not have heard of AOL, but the other half may, when AOL was giving floppy diskettes and three and a half inch diskettes, that was some time. So kind of was my generation when I got into the internet quite a bit. And just seeing that, that was my, the Mosaic browser was around, slow modems. So that was my, my upbringing. That was where I was surrounded by, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator. And I think that gave me the thirst for this world of technology, which today is not much different. It's just faster and video is more prevalent, but, but the basics are there, right? Um, so that was two. And then three, I think, was a period of time where I recall where I discovered and, 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 and uh, found out what the internet was. You know, that, wow, I can go online and connect other people. I can download a recipe, you know, from my computer. So that exploration, bulletin board systems and et cetera, then I'll, I'll be done here in a minute, Nathan, is that Microsoft front page. Probably nobody knows it, but that was like the first I software coming in. You know it good. Yeah, you'll know. Comes on a CD. You install that sucker, save your web page and upload it via FTP or whatever other protocol a few times a day. That was my journey into building my first website. And so I had some time, Nathan, uh, working full-time at the United Nations. I got a full-time job right at a high school just to, just to have some pocket money. Um, great organization, but it wasn't a fit for me. It's not made for entrepreneurs to a degree. Maybe it is today, but back then it wasn't. I got fired from there and that kind of pushed me like a mother, well, mother hens don't push their birds out, mother eagle or whatever birds up there, you know, off the ground pushed me into going full-time entrepreneurship. And that's where I kind of had to learn books like, you know what, the classic Michael Gerber's The E-Myth and reading Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur. That was really my education, Nathan, into entrepreneurship. So I'll pause there, but that was kind of the, there's a lot more to me starting the companies and selling them, but that was the beginning foundations of understanding you can monetize something and sell it to somebody else for a profit and you could do it on your own. How was that? Yeah. I, I want to comment real just I want to comment quickly on you being fired. Because it's amazing how many entrepreneurs I've spoken to were fired. And and that firing or or they had something that failed or went away or the, the door that closed on them yes. gave them freedom. And it forced them to do this entrepreneurial thing that maybe if they had found that success in that, that first kind of dead end job, they, they never would have, they would have needed that paycheck and they wouldn't have had the courage to take the risk to, to go create that first venture. So it, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs say that losing that first job is one of the best things that could have ever happened to them. And Nathan, I never, I, you, you said it, what I, what I should have said or meant to say in my heart, but I've never thought of it that way, meaning we're in the same page here, but you're right. And now I think I'm going to say it differently, exactly as you said it, because think about that, Nathan, if I would have succeeded, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was a model worker at the UN, I was great and all that, but meaning not model worker, but what I'm trying to say, I didn't have, besides my own entrepreneurial ventures, I was, I was a great employee. But what I'm trying to say is just echoing what you said, Nathan, to your point, what if I became a diplomat, an ambassador? What if I was a civil servant and traveled the world? I would have probably been good at it, but I wonder I would have had 10% dissatisfaction. That's an interesting point, which I never reflected. Like, that's a good thing that I wasn't there because now I'm flourishing, right? Imagine Michael Phelps being a chef. Maybe he is, but you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And do you feel you are today on the path that God wants you to be on? 
in a heartbeat. Absolutely. In a heartbeat, Nathan, I feel I'm doing what I was born to do. Um, yeah. I was on a webinar today for a client. And I think that, you know, if I talk too long, I feel myself tearing up about it because I don't spell well, Nathan. Um, I'm not good in math and finance. <clears throat> pardon me. Other things that I may look at others who are more strategic, more smarter than me. Maybe you have skills that I look at like, wow, I wish I was like Nathan or whatever. But I realized, Nathan, I'm doing what, what, what I love and what I do very well. So yes, I think that I'm in the right yeah. place. Being a speaker and inspiring people is what Ramon does. Yeah. And and maybe there is some skill that I have. Maybe I can spell better than you, which I'm right. not sure of. But, um, but realize that those of us who maybe can spell better look at you and, and we are inspired by you. And nobody is great at everything. It's just not possible. And, and God gives us our talents and gifts, and we change the world through those talents and gifts, through those superpowers. And so often I have found that God closes doors. Mm. He helps us to get fired so that he can get us to where we need to be so we can use those talents and gifts like he needs us to use so we can change the world like we uniquely can change the world. That's right. How boring it would be if the world was full of 7 billion Ramones or 7 billion Nathans, even if it was three and a half billion Nathans and three and a half billion Ramones, that would be horrendous. So yeah. <laughs> I think you're right, Nathan, to your point. And I think I am grateful for that, but it's taken me a journey to see that. One thing, Nathan, I was on stage with somebody, I, I've been on stage with somebody, but let's pretend it was Seth Godin or Simon Sinek, can't remember. And people came up to me and said, Ramon, oh, your energy, we love it. That was a compliment, Nathan. It was a compliment. I took it so negatively, I was angry because I said, why can't I be the smart one? And only Nathan in the past, maybe two, three years, I don't remember exactly, but the recent years where I had somebody who kind of, hey, Ramon, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is your gift. This is you yeah. is where I was able to see it that way. Because to your point, right? You know, we always see the grass greener like, wow, Nathan, man, he can, he can do math fast. But I can't. And I'm like not realizing that I can cut grass better, whatever silly example. So you're right, Nathan. It's taken me a journey though to realize that the unique gifts and talents I have, and I think to the whole audience listening, right? The lesson for them, we all have that. As you said so astutely, Nathan, we all have some special talent or gift. Some have more than one that we can share with the world for sure. Yeah. All right. I'd like you to keep going on your story. <laughs> okay. So what's your first adventure? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, the data point being at the United Nations learning, uh, but not, you know, learning. I could have learned. I learned a lot more when I got fired because going to more events and having time, but I must give that period of time some credit reading magazines, uh, you know, diving into books and just having the theoretical knowledge. So, but my first company, first one or two, in fact, was started in the United Nations. So while there, I had one of my first businesses, a small technology consulting, just me doing, but, but consulting, going to clients and helping them, Microsoft Access, anybody know that? Raise your hand, you know, tools like that, which many don't use today, but well, I'm sure there's a big installed base, but a lot of it's uh, cloud-based, but Microsoft Access, uh, putting uh, computer networks together. So that was my first business and I dissolved it. Second business is where I started smallbiztechnology.com, which I sold 20 years ago, two years ago. I started it in 2009, I believe was the domain name, I think. GoDaddy can verify that. But um, point is, that was just a blog, Nathan. That was a blog about tech and small business. And I guess in hindsight, right, as I shared earlier, the tech background I had, whatever way it was, 
that was kind of blending. Maybe I had some little knack for writing and I'm not a scribe, but blogger, I'm sure you have some of that and writing and blogging, blending those things together became smallbiztechnology.com, which was a, it wasn't, it's one of those things, Nathan, help me, help me find the right word, but it's one of those things. It's not like you're CNN crushing or you're getting millions of page views, but for that audience, it's still important. So whatever you call that, it's small, but to those people, it's powerful. What do, what do you call that kind of thing? You're the category king. There we go. So I'll take that. So. Yes, correct. So I had smallbiztechnology.com and, uh, and that, that was a blog, which, which, which was great. And I got a lot of speaking gigs and et cetera. Um, and then the third business was my small business summit. And that was an event business that I started and launched with my dear friend, uh, who's no longer my partner in the business. Uh, she's done some, doing some other things, but um, Marion Banker. And uh, I started that with her in 2006, I believe it was. Um, so no, small business technology would have been in 1999 or whatever the math is 20 years ago to 2019, what would have 20 years ago been that's 2000 and whatever that math is for small business technology, 20 years ago, two years ago. So then the small business, small business, uh, um, summit that was the, the birth to the idea in 2005, we had our first event in 2006, Nathan didn't know what I was doing. I was just tired. You may hear me reference Seth Godin a bit. He's one, we all kind of have our mentors, people we look to. He's one that I look up to and I've read of his books and just, I dig his style. And he always talks about Nathan that, why wait for somebody to call you? That's why I did my small business summit. I was tired of, they're having an event. Why didn't they call me? They're having an event. Why didn't they call me? He's having an event. Why didn't they call me? You know what? Heck with it. Let me do my own event and call myself. <laughs> That's what I did. Lo and behold, we had an event 14, 15, 16 years or so. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people attended it, thousands over the years, big sponsors. So that was my third business, which I sold to another blogger, a, a blogging conference. And then my fourth company today is the Smart Hustle Business. We've been in business for about five years, maybe six years, and um, all about inspiring and educating entrepreneurs. I, I would love to know what is the biggest home run you've hit in your career? The biggest announcement is that I've been appointed as entrepreneur in residence at Oracle NetSuite. So, wow. yeah, so that not only the title, but the valuation, the, the, the heft of it, other things, biggest deal. But a few things I'm most proud of, as it were, Nathan, speaking to Barack Obama, interviewing the president, that's pretty cool. Yes. You know, it's not a monetary thing, but to be able to say I interviewed a president, not that millions haven't shaken a president's hand, whether it's Trump or Barack or Biden, but most of us haven't, right? He's the president. So that was a pretty cool thing. Um, how the application process, 300,000 people applied to do that. It was me and four others picked to interview him. So I think that was another thing. Um, and I think anytime you sell a company, whether you sell it for a huge valuation or it's just a small bit to be able to know that, wow, Nathan sees value to buy an asset from me. I think that's pretty cool. So those are a few things, yeah. Nathan, that I think I'm really honored uh, to do. And I'm sure there's a few more. The moment we finish this interview, I'll be like, oh, too. <laughs> well, congratulations on congratulations on those successes. What's the greatest failure that you've had or biggest mistake that you've made? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I've had a several, so many, Nathan. And I think that uh, one, as far as tactical, like one specific point I can think of is me trying to expand and do events in the West Coast, in California. I've done events in New York. This is my hood. I know everybody here, everybody meaning in my space, you know, in my little world, know all the players and influencers. California's a different ball game. So I did an event and lost about $50,000 there several years ago. For some people, it's a little bit. To me, it's a lot of money. So uh -huh. really funny that you're saying that 
you do events in New York and doing an event in California's biggest mistake. I just interviewed somebody, my very last interview right before you, that he said his biggest mistake was doing an event in North in uh, New York because it just costs so much more and is it messed up his cost structure. It will indeed. By the time you finish tipping the doorman and the bellman and the taxi lady, you're you're going to be in a hole. But um, so that was one. I think is that doing that and then other things like doing like starting ventures on credit card using too much debt. Not that those instruments. I'm not going to get into a discussion on those things. But meaning if you're if they're running only on debt, that's not so cool. So I think some days I wish I would have spent money better in some of the things I've done, uh, Nathan. But overall, I must have been blessed and happy. But I but have I made mistakes? Yes. Do I wish I would have done some things differently? Yes. Do I wish I would have taken time to think better, think slower, be more methodical? Yes. But I'm here talking to Nathan okay. today, so I'm all right. <laughs> so this show primarily focuses on digital monetization. Can yep. you share with us your best monetization secret or strategy? So this big, big billion dollar brand, and this is, this is a true story, but it's metaphor of my world and hopefully it teaches others. They said, Ramon, we know you make burnt pancakes and bacon. We want you to host our big mega billion dollar conference for a big lot of money. So meaning all this stuff that we do, I'm sure your audience or video, we, you probably tell them in the audience video and personal brand and retargeting in all kinds of ways, right? This is your world of monetization, million different ways. But I think the power of video to humanize and personalize your brand, to build a personal brand, what I call the celebrity CEO, I think that's one way that you can monetize because for us small businesses, it's about us. Now you can sell you know, a pen and build an e-commerce site and that's a whole nother game. And I'm sure we can talk about that. But for me, that's the one thing I found is that let me be who I am. I'm not gonna be for everybody as we talked about earlier. The world needs Nathan, the world needs Ramon and everybody else. Let me be who I am. And, uh, and those who want me will see what I'm doing and ka-ching, 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 they will buy. And it's worked every time. Yeah, so, so one of my, the, the first business I started was called adoption.com. And we had a service called Parent Profiles where it's kind of like a dating site where the families that wanted to adopt put their profiles online and the women who are pregnant and considering adoption would go and choose the family to adopt their child. That's yeah. a beautiful thing, by the way. I know it's your show. I just want to take two seconds to be the host right now. Nathan, that's a beautiful thing. I'm sure you shared a hundred times, but the first time I'm hearing about it, that's beautiful. Please go ahead. Thank you. That's <laughs> very kind of you. And it's so interesting because a lot of people, when they create, a lot of those hopeful adoptive parents, when they create their profiles, they try to be like everybody else. And they try to say things exactly how they think the birth moms want, want to hear them. And and uh, we try so hard to communicate to them yes. that it's not about being like everybody else. And it's not about sterilizing your message and being afraid that anything you say is going to offend her, right? If, if you are, I don't know, if, if you're some specific religion and, and you like some specific college football team and, and you know, whatever it is, you like yes. some specific band or, or singer, it, it's those things that are going to attract you to the right adoption opportunity. It's going to create these points of connection. Whereas if you try to sterilize yourself and don't say who you are, you're removing all of the connection points that's going to that's gonna connect you with the right people you want to bring into your life. 
That's exactly right. No, you're right, Nathan. I think that people forget. I think we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that I won't pick Nathan. Nathan won't pick me. That's one. And I think, too, you're, you're right. I think is that sometimes when you're not yourself, you don't feel good, Nathan. You feel yucky inside because you're, 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 you're acting like a square, but you're really being right. You're really round or whatever the silly example is. And I think, three, you're not being authentic. You know, eventually Nathan or Ramon in this yeah. case, as I'm playing you and I, you know, Nathan's going to find out that Ramon's, he's not really an orange sweater guy underneath he's a gray sweater guy it's gonna come out nathan's gonna see it and i think nathan it also shows conversely right those of us that are picking let's decide what's important you know going back to the example of adoption right and this goes for business too is it most important that um nathan have a beard or is it important that nathan's just a good guy and you're in the case of adoption gonna raise my child or, or the child so to your point i think nathan there's so many lessons learned with just being ourselves but i think if we're comfortable everybody's not going to pick you. And if you're comfortable with that, you're going to be much happier in the end. That's right. Yeah. I, I look at the best consulting clients I've ever had over the years. And it was interesting. They, they all were CEOs. I've never been hired by a VP of marketing or a chief marketing officer. I always get hired by the CEO. And they're always people who really prioritize faith and they're really people who prioritize their families, right? It's just this demographic of a person. And, and I, I know I'm not perfect in those areas. I have so, I, I'm so far from perfect, but, but at least those are the things that are important to me, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and because of who I am, I tend to attract those kinds of people as my clients. And so when I was creating the show, I, I decided I'm going to talk about families. I'm going to talk about prioritizing our families and keeping that balance. And, and I'm going to talk about faith and mm -hmm. the, the role of faith in, in an entrepreneur's life. And I realize that doesn't resonate with everybody, right? but, but the people that that's who I am and I'm going to be who I am. And then my people are going to resonate with that message. Yeah. And I think another thing interesting, Nathan, about interpretation, um, we can go as deep as you want on any of these topics, trust me on that. But as far as faith, I think, well, let me, let me change the topic. Let's talk about mind, mindfulness and mindset. I'm going to tweak it a bit. I had been one, like I go to like when we did events yes. in person, you know, hey, everybody, let's take a moment to breathe deep and let's, you know, let's jump up or spin around. That's just not my thing, man. I'm like, you know, let's get to the point, 10 ways I can retarget better on Twitter. I just want to yeah. get to the point. But yeah. somebody reframed and said, Ramon, Listen, it's okay to be mindful. It may not be what I call it or you call it or what somebody calls it, but it got me thinking. And so regarding faith, I know my definition of faith for sure, meaning how I define it, who I am as a person. But I can, I'm, I'm okay to broaden and say, listen, before you run away from me, we all have faith in something. You may have That's faith right. in your bank, faith in your VC, faith in your parents or faith in your partner who's doing your business with you. So meaning then people are like, you know what? Okay, Ramon, I get it. So that's not exactly what I mean, but meaning I can, for, for everybody's sake, being a good human, I can broaden it a bit. So, uh, you know, that's, that's another way to look at it as well, because in the same way, somebody says, you know, I'm all about, you know, I don't know, red scissors. And I'm like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, Ramon. Red scissors just means blah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got right. you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Raymond, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we all have unique talents and gifts. Number two, most times we need failure to push ourselves towards where we need to be. Number three, failure is inevitable. It is how we react that helps lead us to success. Number four, we must personalize and humanize our brands. 
Number five, failure gives us a chance to grow. Number six, to learn from failure, we must reflect on our mistakes. Number seven, we need to recognize our wins, no matter how small they are. Number eight, not everyone will pick us. And if we're comfortable about that, we'll be much happier. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Raymond, listen to part two of this episode or connect with him on his website, RaymondRay.com. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe for free to the monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel or podcast. And number three, you can follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What have you learned from your failures? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success as you use failure to your advantage. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.